give away cash we don't give away new cars vacations to las vegas or cruises to alaska we deal in a commodity that's much more valuable we deal in the truth and we give it away in bulk without strings without terms and conditions and at no cost to you and how do we do it we make it up in volume we're tnn the truth news network and your host is Dan Newman. And all you got to do is just reach out there and grab you a handful of it and apply it wherever you think it fits in your life. And it's free. Oh my gosh. Nothing comes free, Dan. Well, there's a price somebody pays along the way. But in this case, you're getting facts, you're getting truth, you're getting evidence for a lot of different things that many of us we don't know whether to believe or not, but when you get it from there, from here, when you get it from TNN Live, you can bet that it's been vetted and we found out it's real and it's good and it's something you need to know about. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. We got to the middle of the week, last few days in the month of August, and boy, they're having some trouble down in the southeast. I grew up in an era and in a location where we've dealt with hurricanes my entire life. Born in southeast Texas, a suburb of Houston, lived most of my life in Lafayette, Louisiana, which is about 200 miles due east of Houston, and then came to north Louisiana, about 200 miles north of the place in south Louisiana I grew up. So I've been living with and facing the aftermath of tornadoes most of my life. And all of this time, with all the hurricanes that hit primarily in the Gulf Coast, that would be Florida and part of Mississippi and Louisiana and Texas, we have never had a hurricane that has actually hit the capital of Florida, a direct hit, Tallahassee, Florida. But Idalia, she took care of that last night. She has... Artie Spark. Now, this is a big storm. Let me just say that. And it's a powerful storm. It's already sparked more than 15 tornado warnings after it came ashore not far from Tallahassee. Evacuation orders are in place for 49 counties, major flood warnings. And one of the big things that's tough for Florida on the Gulf side, Tampa, St. Pete, on up the coast, is the fact that the shelf there, the Gulf Shelf, is very, very shallow. So that means when one of these big storms come in, what happens at first, all the water gets sucked out into the Gulf of Mexico. And you can actually, I've actually seen, looking over the bridge crossing from Tampa to St. Petersburg, and you see that water just rush out, and it's like it's dry land. And then all of a sudden, that storm surge comes surging back, and they're forecasting as much as 15 feet of storm surge in Idalia. Wow. It just got downgraded minutes ago to a Category 2. Idalia crossed onto Florida's Big Bend area at the Keaton Beach is the technical spot it came ashore, 7.45 Eastern time this morning. 
It's the strongest storm to make landfall in the Big Bend region in 127 years. And it's matching in size and power an unnamed hurricane from 1896. So what typically happens is you have lots of water, lots of wind, damage of all of the imaginable things that you come up when you have such powerful wind coming through your area with so much water. Tens of thousands of people are under evacuation orders. At least a quarter of a million are with no power right now as flooding is battering the Big Bend coastline. It's the latest hurricane to batter Florida, which has barely recovered from Hurricane Ian, which cost the state $113 billion in repair. These things are devastating. And sadly, we've got a lot of retirees along the West Coast down in Southwest Florida that don't want to leave their retirement homes. And typically when that comes up, and it comes up every time you have a big storm, some people just, they don't want to leave their homes. And typically what happens every time that kind of uh, action is taken or not taken, you have some really, really bad stories. People get hurt. Many people die. Water's something really terrible when it gets uncontrollable. And you can't control the water in a hurricane. It's going to do what it's going to do. And it's going to take over what land and what other areas and buildings that it wants to. It's like hurricanes have a mind of their own. There's no big winner ever in a hurricane. And, of course, we'll have the lefties go crazy about this is because of climate change. No, it's not. It's because of weather changes that have happened year after year after year, even before we knew there was a thing called weather. Natural disasters is what this is called. I'm tired of people trying to weaponize bad things that happen, circumstances that happen to people, try to weaponize that and monetize it. That's pretty much what all this climate mess is about, is monetizing climate change. It's made a bunch of bazillionaires through the years. Al Gore, he was a nobody. He couldn't get elected president, and so he decided he was going to get into climate change. Global warming, I think he's the one that came up with the brilliant term, hey, we can't use that anymore because our climate's not warming. In fact, some years it gets colder. So we got to come up with a name we can keep using. They had an ice age that they told us back in the 90s was headed our way, and then we morphed into global warming as temperatures begin to go up a little bit every year. And then when that quit happening... John Kerry and Al Gore come along. Oh, my gosh. We can make a lot of money. We can become great grifters and take advantage of the American people and their money by scaring them to death. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to change the moniker for this weather stuff that we're dealing with and making money with. We're going to change it so the name will never change. What do you think about climate change, Al? Well, John, probably a good idea. That way we don't look like we're stupid all the time, even though we are stupid all the time. Maybe they're not stupid. They're grifters. They're pretty good at making a lot of money. Do you know that Al Gore bought 
a television network in the Middle East, and then he sold it and made billions of dollars when he did. Doesn't have anything to do with uh, climate change, but it gives him a a new jet. And uh, after he and Tipper split up, remember Tipper Gore? She was the vice presidential wife back then when Al Gore was uh, vice president. Well, he got him a hottie. He got uh, climate change on the way and got a lot of money. Bought a television network, satellite network, and then sold it and made a lot of money. And he's making it left and right. I think he passed the mantle finally, the climate change thing, over to John Kerry, who is also a great grifter. And he grifted a wife that married him. I don't know very much about Teresa Hines Kerry other than her first husband was the heir to the Hines ketchup fortune, which John Kerry is um, taking advantage of that situation too. Oh, well. Well, I urge everybody to pray for the people in the Florida area. And Idalia is going to move up to the northeast pretty quickly. It's going to impact Georgia, South Carolina, even North Carolina. In fact, they're now speculating it might go back out into the Atlantic Ocean. And when you have a storm as powerful as this one, sometimes that creates some real problems. So keep those people in your thoughts and prayers. When bad things happen like this, a lot of people get hurt. A lot of people get impacted. And we don't need that. There's enough bad stuff going on. Well, you sit tight. We've got a big show today. Every time I think that I'm the only one who's lonely, someone calls on me. And every now and then I spend my time at climbing for some crystals falsely. And then along comes Mary. When big desire is the fire in the eyes of chicks whose sickness is the games they play And when the masquerade is played, the neighbor folks make jokes at who is most to blame today And then along comes Mary And does she want to set her free and let them see reality from where she got a name Oh, no. 
cup tastes as sweet as the punch. 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 There's one from the middle 60s. Were you around then? That was the association, Along Comes Mary. Talk about a controversial song. Think about it. What was happening in the mid to late 60s? It was a hippie revolution. We had LSD, had war, uh, the war over in Vietnam and all these GIs going over there, and they discovered marijuana and LSD and brought it all back to the United States along with long hair and communes. Mary, along comes Mary. Who do you think Mary was? Think about it for a second. Marijuana. Along comes Mary. (laughs) Oh my gosh, the church folks went crazy. My dad was a pastor, and when he heard me playing that song on the radio, I was in, just got in radio at the time, was a DJ in Franklin, Louisiana played that song, He Got In My Grill. How can you do that? You're promoting that evil drug stuff. You can't play that and promote it. And I played it because it was a job, but I played it because I love music. And yeah, the words, people can say what they want. They can imagine what some lyric means. That's all true. And it all may be true. But at the end of the day, That's a good song. I just like the way it sounds. Well, Bidenomics, how's it treating you? Well, we don't have any problems with our economy, Dan. My gosh, Bidenomics, that's taken the world by storm and it's fixing everything. Everything. It's doing such a good job. We find out minutes ago, U.S. job openings have fallen below 9 million for the first time in over two years. Two years. What would coincide with two years ago? Oh, I don't know. Maybe uh, Joe Biden just taking office and get things, Bidenomics up and running, right? Took him a little while, but he got it fixed, didn't he? Job openings fall below 9 million for the first time in over two years. Let me give you an example of what Bidenomics has done for me. Nationally, we're told, as of yesterday, official reports came out, we shared it here, $8,400 a year. That's how much your family, that's the average for families across America, $8,400 a year. That's how much more you're paying today for your life as a family $8,400 more than you did a year ago. Now, I don't know about you, but if I didn't get a raise. Did you get a raise? And if you got a raise, did you get an $8,400 raise? Biden, he's still trying to sell the people the big lie. And the big lie has nothing to do with election interference and alleged fraud. It has to do with what this administration is doing to you and me. Go to the gas pump. Go to the gas pump. Try and go buy anything and compare the prices you pay for today to what you paid for it before. Last week, I paid, last weekend, over the weekend, at Brookshire's, 
which is a big chain in Texas and Louisiana and Arkansas, grocery, grocery chain, I paid $5.59 for a loaf of bread. Same bread that about a year ago I paid a little over two and a quarter for. Now, you mean it doubled, Dan? Well, what they did at first, all the bread manufacturing companies, what they did, they wanted, they had to figure out a way to save a little money because it was costing them out the wazoo for the ingredients to make bread. So what did they do? They reduced the size of the pieces of bread in the package and left the price the same. And then when consumers caught on, what did they have to do? Well, they changed the price, $5.59 for a loaf of bread. That's Bidenomics. Job openings fallen below 9 million, first time in over two years. A smaller number of workers quit their jobs in July. As businesses hired fewer workers, layoffs rose slightly as the tight employment market has cooled off. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey, this news has raised some expectations this morning that the Federal Reserve will keep interest rates unchanged in September. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means the stock market's going to have a great day today. Oh, they're not going to raise rates. So, bam, the markets are going to take off. And people that have piles of money invested in the stock market are going to make a buttload full of money today. What, you're not one of those people? Another separate survey from the conference board on August 28th showed that consumer perceptions on the labor market appeared to cool down a bit this month. That's a sign that caution is growing among Americans. Caution is growing and wallets are getting thinner. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that available jobs, the jobs out there that you and I could go get, fell to a seasonally adjusted 8.827 million in July. Now that's down from 9.165 million just a month before. The job openings rate fell to 5.3% last month from 5.5% in June. What does all this say to you? And what does it say about us and what we are finding ourselves mired in right now? It's inflation. It's inflation. There's no way you can make it look prettier than just to call it what it is. Everything is costing more. Everything is. I talked to a guy yesterday. I just thought of this. I talked to a guy yesterday that uh, he didn't buy a Tesla, but he has a good friend that has a Tesla, and he drove it with his good friend. And they got into the ins and outs of all the good and the bad, the ugly, all of that we won't even go into. You know what it is. But this guy asked his friend, what'd they tell you about the batteries when you bought this Tesla? Well, what do you mean? How long will how long would they last? You know, in my car, I pull up at a gas pump every time I need gas. What do you do? Well, I've got a charging station in my garage. Okay, what do you do when you go on the road? What if you want to go to 
Dallas-Fort Worth. Well, there are charging stations along the road and Interstate 20. Have you made a trip, a long trip yet? Well, no, I haven't. When we do those trips, we go in my wife's Suburban. Oh, okay. Why don't you um, think about checking on that battery replacement cost? And so the guy checked, he called his dealer the next day or so, and he pinned the dealer down, that particular model. I don't, I don't know which one of the Tesla models it is, but it was going to cost him $35,000 to replace the batteries when it came time to replace them. And you know what the dealer told him? Not when he bought the car, but when he called later to ask about the cost of batteries and what the shelf life of batteries in that particular Tesla is, two years, maybe two and a half to three if you take it easy. And they're trying to tell us, Joe is trying to tell us, We've got to go in that direction. We've got to perfect wind, solar, and electric power. We've got to get away from fossil fuels. And I told you what I heard that scientist, a real climate scientist, say last week about this crazy push to get away from fossil fuels. Here's what the man said, and he said it in the context of what we're talking about right now, cost, what it takes to just live nowadays, when everything, every single thing that we buy or that we use is costing 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 60, sometimes twice as much as it cost two years ago, what's the number one thing for all of us? Cost, money. We don't have as much money in many cases as we had two years ago. Oh, we may have gotten a minor raise, but definitely not a raise big enough to take over the inflation cost, $8,400 a year per family. This scientist made probably one of the wisest assertions about what's going on in America today to the American people. And I couldn't believe it didn't come from a politician, but this guy's not politically active at all. Here's what he said. The United States is the only country on the planet that has steadily every year for the last 22 years reduced its carbon footprint It's carbon emissions. Now put that in the context of our population has grown every year except last year, which means more people, which means more energy being consumed and normally more pollution, more carbon footprint, right? Not so much in the United States. Now the guy wasn't through, the scientist wasn't finished. Here's how he finished it. He said, what government people need to concentrate on for the American people, because you need to quit talking about reducing our carbon footprint. It's happening. We're doing it now as Americans. We've exposed 
what needs to be done and how to do it to keep it low and reduce it. So what makes sense after that? Here's what he said. For the American people, we need to find the most inexpensive assortment of energy sources that we possibly can because that is the only thing that Americans can concentrate on right now because it is tearing people and families and businesses and governments. It's tearing people to pieces. And this administration doesn't have a clue. That sound like wisdom to you? He didn't say, go to fossil fuel. He didn't say, go to electric energy. He didn't say, go to wind and solar. He didn't say any of that. He made sense. A scientist of all. (laughs) He said, find a combination of energy sources that are as inexpensive as possible to take care of the energy needs for Americans. And by the way, his name certainly isn't Joe Biden. (laughs) Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. It's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Hey, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Dan Newman. You know, I get a lot of unsolicited input here at TNN Live, truthnewsnet.org, and I um, I watch live during the show. We have a screen that we can go to, and it gives us the specific locations of people that have logged in to listen to the show live. 
And we have some people up in the Northeast, New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont. But we have a very regular group of people from Boston. And I want to say, first of all, thank you for listening. I'm glad you found us. And we'd love if you would uh, spread the word up there in Beantown about TNN Live and uh, introduce us to some more of your friends up there because they need, we all do, we need to be able to get multiple sources of information so that we can compare those and come up with the ones that are the best sources for the information we get. So I just got a text minutes ago, and the reason I mentioned this about Boston is this text came from the West Coast. Peter out there in the L.A. area, friend of the show, he uh, regularly over the last few weeks, he's taken a snapshot of, uh, I guess, a news website in the Los Angeles area that shows some gasoline retail prices at the pump. And I'm going to give you what these numbers are. And then the reason you'll understand, I I uh, mentioned our friends in the Boston area because I would think gasoline up there in the Northeast probably similarly priced to that in Southern California. From Charlie's Arco on Aviation Boulevard this morning in L.A., $5.29.910 a gallon. Another Arco on Palos Verde Drive, $5.33 a gallon. An AMPM store on Lomota Boulevard, $5.39 a gallon. Another AMPM on Pacific Coast Highway, $5.39. Rocket, $5.39. And just USA Gasoline, an individual pump place, $5.39 a gallon. Now, I play, and this is no lie, yesterday, I'm, I'm very conscious about the gasoline that I've put in my car. And yesterday, I got a good deal. I found some at Sam's Warehouse that was $3.08 a gallon. Typically here in northwest Louisiana now, it's running anywhere from $3.25 to $3.40. And um, so based on those numbers in California, that's really not a bad rate in the context of around the nation. But what flies in the ointment for me is this, and I think those of you that are regular, you'll know exactly where I'm going. The day Joe Biden was elected president, November, you remember that? I paid at Sam's Warehouse, same place, I paid $3.08 a gallon yesterday. day Joe was elected, I paid $1.69 a gallon. Close to double the cost. And Joe, the little bit that he gets out in campaigns, he's pontificating on the campaign trail about Bidenomics. Does he just not get it? Or is he stupid? Stupid, my friends, is not a slur. It's not a curse word. It's not profanity. It identifies people among us that either can't grasp the facts or can but don't grasp the facts of a matter. And they just start spewing their own versions of anything and everything as it comes to mind. Truth, throw it out the window. It doesn't mean a thing. 
And that's where our president of the United States is here today. He's trying to figure out, probably, to put just one foot in front of another. And I don't diminish him. I'm one of those people, I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible says, and I do this every day, pray for those that are in positions of authority over you. And I pray every day for President Joe Biden. I pray for all those in the administration. I This morning, in a prayer meeting that I go to every weekday morning at 6 a.m., we actually prayed for Congressman Steve Scalise from the New Orleans area. He was pronounced yesterday as having multiple myeloma. It's actually a type of blood cancer. And until just recently, in fact, in the last seven or eight years, getting diagnosed with multiple myeloma was a death sentence. They've now got the process done where they can make it easier. But Steve Scalise, I prayed for him. He's a leader. He happens to be a friend of mine. He's been on this show before. He's the minority whip in the United States House of Representatives, a really good guy. You may remember his name. He was the one that got shot so desperately at that uh, Republican baseball practice by that hardcore leftist. Nobody on the Democrat side even wants to mention that. It was a hate shooting, and there were several people that were hit, but he got it bad, in fact, almost died from that. But anyway, for those of you, if you're a praying person and you pray today during the day, pray for Steve Scalise. He's he's one of us. He's a really good guy. About two years ago on this show, and in fact, I looked it up last night in an article that I wrote for truthnewsnet.org, I commented about the crazy news and information that I had uncovered in research about the private use of American government-owned aircraft by Hunter Biden. Not Joe Biden, but Hunter Biden. During those eight years that Joe was vice president, and the vice president traveled a lot around the world, many of those trips, Hunter Biden went with him. We all know that. But did you know that on numerous trips on government aircraft, Joe Biden didn't make the trip. But Hunter Biden took Secret Service security with him and flew on government jets to foreign countries, places like China and Ukraine. I'm serious. We looked it all up. We published the story with all the facts. And as all of this latest hoo-ha comes up about Joe and Hunter and their involvement together in foreign business deals and the big guy and all of that, we don't need to rehash any of that. Nobody mentioned anything about this until this morning. A big deal. It was announced. The House Oversight Committee, this morning, they announced this. They have launched a probe in a President Joe Biden's Air Force Two and Marine Two records housed at the National Archives, including logs of Joe Biden's foreign travel with his family as vice president. Then Vice President Biden took a total of 411 trips across 29 countries between 09 and the middle of 2014. 
Secret Service travel logs that uh, were obtained by Judicial Watch give us those numbers. One of those trips, Beijing, China. That happened in 2013 under the trappings of a family vacation. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Vice President, 2013, family, China. Ten days after that trip to China, Hunter got a 10% interest in BHR Partners. Now, what was BHR Partners? A Chinese state-backed investment fund co-founded with Devin Archer and Chinese private equity executive Jonathan Lee, who Joe Biden reportedly spoke to on one of those speakerphone telephone calls to sell the quote-unquote Biden brand. BHR Partners, the fund Hunter Biden co-founded with Archer and Lee, maintains investments worth billions of dollars around the globe. In 2017, Devin Archer conveyed his piece in BHR Painters to his wife. Likewise, Hunter conveyed his stake to his lawyer, Kevin Morris. Now, why did they do that? Well, you know why. They were both facing litigation, and before the litigation happened and the lawsuits were filed and the government was shutting down and seizing accounts, they wanted it to get somewhere in somebody else's hands that could protect that quote-unquote investment. Hunter's trip to Beijing was one of many that he took with his dad. In 2021, Hunter took more than 20 trips through Joint Base Andrews. Fox News reported last week Hunter visited 15 countries with Joe Biden. His business travel with his dad raises concerns, and we hear this again and again and again. Oh, we're concerned about whether Joe Biden flew Hunter's business associates on Air Force Two and or took trips with little official business being conducted. The committee, this is a statement they put out, the Oversight Committee. Quote, the committee is concerned about then-Vice President Biden's role in his family's foreign business ventures and that he may have used his office to enrich his family. Okay, how many times have we heard this, gang? How many times this came from committee chairman, James Comer, good guy, like him a lot. I tried to get him on this show, but uh, we're too far down the pecking order, I guess. Also, Byron Donalds, another rising star, African-American Republican from uh, Florida. Great guy. But they keep telling us about this stuff again and again and again. Is there no accountability for anybody doing anything? Is it literally a case where the prisoners are guarding the prison? And you know what I'm referencing there. If there's no way, two things here. This is a two-thing point I'm, I'm making with you. If there's no way to hold anybody accountable, and I'm talking about in our government, the United States House of Representatives, they are tasked constitutionally those 500 excuse me 435 elected members 
by American people across the spectrum, 435, their fundamental purpose for being elected is to conduct oversight of our entire government. In other words, make sure everybody in government, including each of these 435, are abiding by the laws, the rules, the regulations, and not taking advantage of any of that. So, because none of this has been addressed by the Oversight Committee yet. And several years ago, I started screeching about it. They haven't even looked at it until now. That's number one. Can they hold any person in government responsible? That's the first part of it. The second part is why haven't they already done it? And I guess we could say a third thing. Are they going to hold the president and his son accountable for wrongdoing? Comer said this, then Vice President Biden's misuse of Air Force Two and Marine Two is indicative of yet another way in which the president has abused his various offices of public trust and wasted taxpayer money to benefit his family's enterprise, which consisted of nothing more than access to Joe Biden himself. So we have all that. Then Vice President Joe Biden, it says, abused Air Force Two by allowing his son to jet set around the world to sell the brand to enrich the Biden family. Again, this is Comer talking. This is yet another example of then-Vice President Biden abusing his public office for his family's financial gain. I'm proud, Comer said, to partner with Chairman... No, this is... I'm sorry. This is Byron Donalds now. I am proud to partner with Chairman Comer on this latest undertaking to expose then-Vice President Biden's gross misuse of Air Force Two and Marine Two to benefit his family's enterprise. All of this, my friends, every bit of this is nothing but fluff. Nothing but fluff. Were you here last week when Congressman Mike Johnson was on the show with us? Now, the congressman is a, is a good friend of mine. We've been friends since before he ran for Congress his first time. He lives not far from me. A great guy, great family. He's a constitutional attorney with a great past in government. All of those things being said, I, I tried to pin him on air. I tried to pin him down and said, Congressman, are you guys going to do anything? Are you going to hold the president accountable in any way? And then he launched into the story that they all have to say, apparently. Well, we have a process. The only thing that we can do in oversight of the White House in this case is to consider impeaching him. But, Dan, we have this problem. If we impeach and are successful in a Senate trial, which we probably won't be because there aren't a significant number of Republicans in the Senate so that we wouldn't, even if the House votes to impeach the president in a trial across the hallway of the, of the Capitol, he will not be convicted. And even if he was, Congressman Johnson said, we've got Kamala Harris as president, 
which is worse? We're almost three years into a Biden presidency. I've heard this over and over and over and over. Do you think that maybe, just maybe, somebody up in D.C. understands that there is no accountability that's going to be levied and they can just tiptoe around it and keep tiptoeing and kind of poo-pawing it when somebody in public asks them about it because nothing's going to happen. I'm asking you, is that the case? Is that what we're dealing with? I think it is. I think now, and I hope I'm wrong. I want somebody to come on this show and tell me how wrong I am. If our only method of holding leaders accountable is the impeachment process constitutionally, we should have been getting after that a long time before now. We're right next to an election. Well, Dan, we don't vote until November next year. You're right. Louisiana, we got an election for our governor coming up this fall, but on a national level, 2024 is when we have our president vice presidential election. If we got busy right now, I mean really busy, going after, turning over rocks, finding all the evidence to pile up to prove that Joe Biden has committed impeachable offenses sufficient to remove him from office, we would be lucky to get him over to the Senate, even if the Senate agreed to try him for the articles of impeachment that the House would have put together. They all know this. And yet, delay and deflect. Delay and deflect. Yesterday afternoon on the 5, Jesse Waters weighed in on this whole thing. And this gets interesting. Will the real Joe Biden please stand up? The National Archives admitting that they're sitting on a treasure trove of over 5,000 emails where Joe Biden used a fake name. They could show that the big guy was actively involved in Hunter's shady business dealings. Known aliases for Biden include Robin Ware. Robert L. Peters, and J.R.B. Ware. Hunter Biden's grift seems to be going strong. The White House is refusing to rule out that the first son is still cashing in on his dad's name. We know that uh, from a Hunter Biden associate now that he sold the appearance of access to then Vice President Biden. Are you confident that he has stopped doing that? That is a question for Hunter Biden. If somebody is selling the appearance of access that to the is, White House, that, that is, is a question for the White House. No, that is that is your um, your I don't know how you're perceiving that. Is my that. <laughs> I, testimony I, by I, Devin I, Archer. He said, "I am just not, Peter. I'm just not going to get into this. I'm just not." Move forward. The evidence against Biden's piling up, but Democrats are finding new ways to embarrass themselves while defending the first family. Watch. One day he's sleepy Joe, the next day he's corrupt Joe. I know people who are sleepy, I know people who are corrupt, I don't know anyone who is both. These guys just know that they are reflexively anti-anything Biden's doing. Are you confident when you look at what the Justice Department has done, when you look at the investigations into Hunter Biden that the Republicans have pursued up to this point, 
that there hasn't been any wrongdoing. Everything's been above board. Yes, I'm extremely uh, confident. The American people know fundamentally that Joe Biden is a good and decent man. All right, Dana, you were in the federal government. How often do people use alias emails to correspond? I would love for the reporters who were in the briefing room when I was press secretary to revisit the stories that they did when there was this minor issue about people who are trying to do the right thing to make sure when they were dealing with the RNC, if they had a political job at the White House dealing with the RNC, that they used the right email. It became this gigantic scandal. We answered all the questions. There was congressional testimony. You had to turn over all the documents. The RNC to this day still has all of them archived, and it turned out it was absolutely nothing. I would love to see the curiosity from the media on this one. I don't think that they're going to get it. And when Eric Swalwell is your first line of defense for dealing with a foreign influence and fraternizing campaign, you are not in a good place. You are really not in a good place. And then he said, I, I, I can't imagine he could be both sleepy and corrupt at the same time. And actually, this might be something that Biden can do. You could be like, this, is like, this could actually happen. Um, other thing is, Jesse, I was thinking about you earlier because you've utilized the FOIA Freedom of Information Act request in order to get information for stories that you're pursuing. And it's available to the American public. It's also available to media organizations. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they use it. But in these particular stories, where have all the news nuggets come from? It's not from the media filing a FOIA request asking to find out if Joe Biden had aliases. It's coming from private organizations Sometimes they're partisan organizations. That's also fine. It's under the First Amendment. But the media is so incurious, it really bothers me. So what do you think he was uh, hiding with 5,400 emails over eight years? Judge you know, Shinian? I come from a different place than Dana. But for me, you know, it's basically the same. It's a clear attempt to avoid any kind of transparency, uh, sharing information allegedly about his schedule that includes issues of the Ukraine <laughs> at the time when Joe Biden was a point man on energy in Ukraine. And according to the National Archives, 5,400 such emails, 5,400 such emails. I'll say it again. And it was during the years it was Joe Biden was vice president, 14 and 15. Um, at that, that was, those were the years that David Weiss, the now special counsel, uh, allowed the statute of limitations to run. Uh, the, the years that under the 1023, the Bidens were pretty much demanding $5 million and $5 million from Zlovchesky, who was the head of Burisma. Um, and, and by the way, who was copied on the email? The staff member is told to send it to uh, Hunter Biden. And that shows that mm -hmm. uh, the immediate staff around Joe Biden knew that Hunter Biden was involved in this. We already know <laughs> that Obama's people and Obama's State Department said, you got to watch out for your son. We all know he's a dirtbag, drug addict, ex-crazed lunatic. <laughs> and he's flying around with you. And, you know, uh, the, the, this has to stop. But, you know, it, it, this is really, in the end, it's a story of a father's deep love for his <laughs> son. And, um, I mean, who among us uh, hasn't done 5,400 emails using a different name for any reason? I know what your secret name is. I don't want to ask. Don't say it. <laughs> so judge makes an interesting point. If now staffers were being copied on these emails, this is an administration wide scandal. Would you expect House Oversight to maybe subpoena some of these people? Yeah, again, uh, they're next. Uh, so they're going to, I imagine, do that. And it was the Southeastern Legal Foundation that asked for it a year ago. So oh. in June of 2022, yeah. 
They say, you got these uh, three aliases. Can you tell us what emails went out during the Obama years? And they said, okay, I'll get back to you, I don't know, a year. So we get back, and it turns out there's 5,400. We'll get back to you. We'll get them to you eventually. We knew know this, that 10 of those emails were copied to Hunter between May 18th and June 15th. Uh, and so we also understand, too, that the, there was an explanation when Obama had an alias. They said, well, we have to throw off the Chinese or would-be hackers by using a different email. And I'm thinking to myself, if we can't protect the president of the United States <laughs> email, we're all doomed. No wonder North Korea was able to bring these movie studios down to their knees. And can I just say also, a big surprise you went to me, Bill, for Pierce, because you like him better. And for me, <laughs> uh, I thought for sure you'd go to Pierce. He'd eat up all the time. And I went to him seconds. last. Right? This is so a surprise. He wanted, he wanted you to be my warm-up guy. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, oh, very again. smart of I'm you, Jesse. for Pierce. All right, so Love to see you about again. four and a half minutes, Pierce. Why are we Look, I realize that the occupant of this particular chair on this show has to try and muster some form of defending the indefensible when it comes to President Biden and this scandal. I have nothing. Mm. Uh, because this stinks. The whole thing just stinks. And I think with any political scandal, you go back right to the start. What's the nugget? What's the fact? The, what's the catalyst for all of this? And the catalyst for this is that Hunter Biden, with zero experience, possibly less, lands a job on the board of a major Ukrainian energy company, and he gets paid $83,333 a month to offer his zero expertise to this Ukrainian energy company. Just when his father is vice president of the United States with special responsibility for Ukraine. If you just take that one fact at the start of this scandal, that is corruption. So everything that follows is unsurprising to me because you know there's a scandal. You know it's corruption. You know that Hunter Biden got that job because of his dad. You know they're making loads of money as a family. The Biden brand was fleecing Ukraine for gazillions. But we can add something to this. It's not hypothetical. We know exactly, it seems in 2014, Hunter enlisted, according to the Daily Mail and emails that have been acquired, Boyce, Schiller, Flexner uh, Group, this law firm, to go ahead and advise them how to stop the investigation into the CEO of Burisma. Of course. And then Shokin, this guy gets fired, Shokin takes over, he continues, and they say, how do we stop Shokin? Mm -hmm. So that's why Hunter was, uh, was hired, and he actually did something for the job. And with all, Him the, and Devin and with all these things, with all these things, if you just substitute Biden for Trump, and this was Donald Trump Jr. with Donald Trump as the as it's dad, the same as story, by the way. I know, but if you if you if you just subbed the, the two names round, what would all the yeah, people trying absolutely. to defend Biden be saying about oh, the Trumps absolutely. if they had done this? They would have been screaming for impeachment, for indictments and everything else. Instead, there's yep. a deafening silence. And that is, frankly, with the mainstream media in this country, I have to say that as a journalist, that is as corrupt as the yeah. actual scandal itself. That They're not treating this the way they would if it was someone on the other side. But it's the same story that got him impeached. They were Rudy Giuliani was pursuing this story, right. and he shouldn't have, and they shouldn't have done it this way against the opponent. We know that. But this is the same story. They go, what was Biden doing in Ukraine but Trump was calling up Zelensky go, could you find out? Because I'm going to send my guy over. Mm. 
And that's the story. And now two years later, we're pursuing a story and they're desperately trying to slow it down. And, you know, one of the interesting things is that when you say that they hired the law firm of David Boyce and then Chokin comes in and they figure out they can't they can't figure out a way to get rid of him. So Joe Biden says, I'll get rid of him myself. I'll leverage a billion dollars. And I'll brag about it. Yeah. And I'll admit it on television. It's a scandal, folks. (laughs) (laughs) A provable one. Here's the irony of what you just heard. First of all, I really like the group on the five, this particular group. There are a couple of other people that join the five occasionally that I have to turn the sound down if I'm going to watch it just because I can't stand the voices and the stuff I'm going to hear. But Jesse Waters, like him a lot. Um, Who else was there? Judge Janine, like her a lot. Kill me. I'm a huge Kill Me fan. I am. But in all of that, who stuck out in that conversation and who caused everybody else to get quiet and listen for a second? Wasn't even an American. (laughs) It wasn't. It was Pierce Morgan, a Brit, and he stated the only thing that should have ever been discussed to initiate any kind of investigation in this matter. And what was that? Joe Biden's vice president. He's assigned by Barack Obama to, quote unquote, manage Ukraine. Joe Biden, then vice president, gets on a plane. He flies to Ukraine. His son is on the plane. His son gets hired by Burisma for $83,333.33 a month. For what? That should have been the only thing that needed to be investigated about corruption. And it shouldn't been, it should not have been an investigation about Biden administration corruption. It should have been Barack Obama administration corruption because, listen to what I'm going to say, I promise you If you dig deep enough, and sadly, this probably will never happen, it's likely that there may be a dollar or two at the bottom of that hole that ended up having something to do with somebody who has a last name that begins with O. The story that we started this with. Let me give you the last paragraph. This is about the House Oversight Committee and they're clamping down. They're going after the Biden family corruption. This is a quote from Representative Comer. Quote, the walls are closing in on the Biden family due to consistent and diligent efforts by House Republicans who followed the money conducted meticulous interviews and hearings, and uncovered undeniable corruption. If that was the case, it would be just like from the movie The Ten Commandments when Pontius Pilate, not Pilate, who was it? Um, Anyway, said, said this grandiose to Charlton Heston, so it is written, So let it be done. That paragraph I just read you should have been read 
two, three years ago, and we should have been way down the road toward resolution, and we haven't even started real investigations, if we ever will. So, Miss Harris, what makes you think you're a good fit with us here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky? Oh, sir, there are so many reasons. I specialized in research and theoretical studies for several years at the Southampton Institute, Mm -hmm. preceded by intensive graduate studies at Syracuse. (laughs) Certainly, my skills are well-suited for a position here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky. Oh, thanks. A job interview and a root canal on the same day. Want to get away? Get the heck out of there with Southwest Airlines. Fly coast to coast for $99 or less by November 3rd. It was nice meeting you, sir. Yes, we'll get back to you soon. Soon. Southwest Airlines, a symbol of freedom. Call 1-800-IFLY-SWA. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted six-month-old aged cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is my stop. Oh, ah, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra drinks, excludes freezes. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. If you get this sense every once in a while when you listen to the show, when I get a little flustered, a little aggravated, just know this. I really am. I'm very flustered right now. I have operated, I started several corporations. Um, The last one I operated for 32 years before handing it off to uh, the management team that were working with me then. And I learned something very early on. If you're going to be successful in any kind of entity, and this applies in everything from a dating relationship to a family, to a small mom-and-pop-owned company, to a big corporation, you've got to have the structure of operation in place that allows you to be successful at producing or generating the products and the goods that you're going to do, that somebody wants to hire you to do the work for them. If you don't have that to begin with, you're going to fail. And the second piece of that is accountability, personal in your own business or in your own family or in your own personal relationship with somebody you're dating. If you don't build in accountability for all the parties that are involved in it, it's going to fail. It will fail. Now, if you think those things through, and we're talking to a live audience, but just minutes after this show is over live, It's picked up by 37 different podcast hosting sites. And there will be people from all over the world that will click on that on uh, 
iTunes podcast, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, Spotify, all the other podcast hosting sites. Even Google and Facebook carry it, TNN Live. They're going to click on it, and they're going to hear the same conversation. And they're going to take a minute and think that through what I just said. If you don't have the structure properly put together, and if you don't have accountability for all of the processes that you have discovered are necessary to make that relationship or company or mom and pop operation successful, and then make that part of the structural operation, if you don't do that, you are doomed to fail. And my frustration this morning over the last 30 minutes or so is that our House Oversight Committee, and I have a good amount of respect for Representative Comer because he's got a lot of roadblocks in his face. That's kind of how government works. There's nothing structurally in place. There is no game plan. There's no map that has been drawn up. What we're hearing is every few days, they come back and we have the end of that story that I just read to you. Quote, the walls are closing in on the Biden family due to consistent and diligent efforts by House Republicans who followed the money, conducted meticulous interviews and hearings, and uncovered undeniable corruption. Well, Representative Comer, Representative Donalds, and all the other members of the House Oversight Committee, get her done. If you found it, put it in the proper place for accountability to take place and make it happen now, not next month, not next year, but do it now. You know who has that process perfected in government today? Their counterparts in the Democrat Party. Why is it so difficult for conservative politicians to pull the trigger on something that is wrong, that needs to be ferreted out, either eliminated or changed? That's simply part of the life of being in politics There is opportunity to do things the right way, and with that comes an opportunity to do anything the wrong way. But expecting and then holding everybody that's part of the process to the same standard of accountability. And if you don't do that, we're spitting in the wind. I don't know another way to put it to make it sound nice. Wow. Something that's kind of slipped through here and we find ourselves at a threshold again. We need a spending bill. We've got to have a budget put together. And House conservatives, they're the ones that hold the magic wand and they're flirting with a government shutdown. Now, we're talking about accountability. We're going to see how accountable House Republicans are are going to be willing to make Democrat members of the House hold them accountable. What am I talking about? 
Well, Congress is racing the clock to fund the government ahead of a September 30th deadline. A shutdown is looming again. But to some House conservatives, a shutdown isn't much of a threat at all. What does that mean? A handful of hardline Republicans are brushing off even embracing the possibility of a shutdown. They're arguing that bringing the government to a screeching halt is today more acceptable than allowing the country to continue on its current spending trajectory, which has got us headed towards oblivion. If a shutdown occurs, then so be it if they're not going to stick to what Speaker Kevin McCarthy agreed to, which is startlingly starting on a path of financial security, which we don't have. That bit of wisdom came from Representative Ralph Norman of South Carolina, a Republican. Bob Good, Republican for Virginia, in July said, we should not fear a government shutdown. Went even further when talking to the Hill last week. He said this, this is Bob Good. 85% or so of the government continues to operate. Most Americans won't even miss it, Good said. And if that's the leverage that we need to utilize to force Democrats to accept spending cuts and an end to the harmful policies that are, again, crushing the American people, I mean, then we need to do that. So while the Republicans are flirting with a shutdown, and they're a tiny minority within the GOP conference, they add another layer of complication for Speaker McCarthy as he's working to keep the lights on in D.C. without making his right flank mad, who are pushing for steeper spending cuts and policy additions as part of the appropriations process. McCarthy, the Speaker, is asking House Republicans to help him pass a short-term continuing resolution, or CR, which is their fallback every time when they want to kick the can down the road. And he says, let's do this continuing resolution to fund the government past September 30th as both chambers slog through the government funding process. The House has cleared just one of 12 regular appropriation bills, while the Senate has cleared just one of 12, and they've not gotten any past the finish line. And we're supposed to get this done by the end of next month, which starts this weekend, right? The House is going to be in session for just 11 legislative days until the end of fiscal 2023, which is September 30th. I don't think anybody wants a government shutdown, McCarthy told reporters in Syracuse last week. So as the calendar inches closer to the end of September, McCarthy is utilizing an argument that could appear to some conservatives conservatives, that uh, it would be positive for them, warning about the ramifications a shutdown may have on the conference's investigations into the Biden administration. We need to stop investigating the Biden administration. We need to start holding those that we have already created and found factual proof of graft and corruption and start prosecuting. He cautioned, 
that the probes into Hunter and the Biden family's foreign business dealings, which McCarthy said could soon develop into an impeachment inquiry, is a natural step forward. Those would be stopped. So I would actually like to have a short-term CR only to make our argument stronger, McCarthy said. If we shut down, all the government shuts it down, investigation and everything else. It hurts the American public. So at what cost? That's my question. Mr. Speaker, what cost? We're not getting anything done. We're not holding anybody accountable. We're not stopping spending. You guys haven't done it. In fact, you you were complicit through at least $2 trillion that were spent, and we found out after the fact most of that was wasted. So what the heck do you want to do? What are your plans? Instead of sitting back and just treading water all this time, do something. Do something. Start holding people accountable for what they have done. All of their corrupt, illegal actions, hold them accountable. I have never in my life been so frustrated with the government not doing what is so obvious that they have ability to do and reason and purpose to do it because they represent the American people. And this is just getting way, 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 way out of hand. And meanwhile, we have a campaign going on, a presidential campaign going on. We have the leading candidate in most polls, Donald Trump. He's under indictment, four different indictments in multiple locations for dozens and dozens of felony charges filed against him that are included in these indictments. We've got a lot of going on. And we don't have the time to sit around, twiddle our thumbs, go back and forth to D.C., and not be doing the work that is necessary to be done. Here's what's going to happen if we don't get with it. We're going to find ourselves at the end of this, at the end of 2024, next year. We're going to have a Democrat in the White House. We're going to have the former president of the United States either quitting, just giving up and going to town, forgetting about anything moving forward, or he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life. And we will have done nothing to hold the lawbreakers, the real lawbreakers, accountable for what they've done. I don't see, at this particular point, I don't see a great crowd of people standing out there that are willing to initiate those things that are absolutely necessary to get and hold these people accountable. I don't see any willingness for anybody to start the ball rolling, do you? I just don't see it. And right now, we have a group of politicians that despise the guy that has proven that in the White House, he could lead the nation. 
He could take us to a place of prosperity. He could lead us to an environment on the planet where our foreign adversaries, they definitely respect us. They respect our processes, who our leadership team is, who comprises that leadership team, and what we are doing will work. They've joined in in many cases. And yet, more people in this country, I'm not just talking about Republicans, not just about Democrats, I'm talking about Americans. More Americans every day, the fear factor just slips up deeper down their throats. Uncertainty about their financial capabilities. We're questioning everything about everything. We can't even call somebody what their biological gender is. That's a woman. We can't call somebody a woman anymore. We can't call anybody a man. Our kids are being taught that they were assigned a gender when they were born. They weren't born as one gender or another gender. The lies, the obfuscation, the disgrace that's out there is palatable, and we are doing nothing about it. We've got to get started. We've got to crank it up. And for all of you that are listening, I know we're just voters. We do have voices. And as you know, you're hearing now, we use the voice of TNN Live and Truth News Network to spread this out as much as we can around the globe. And thousands and thousands of people are hearing it every day. So what are we doing with the message that comes out here? What are we doing with the message that we play like the one just a few minutes ago that Jesse Waters started on the five yesterday and they came in and gave, here's what needs to happen. Does anybody pick the ball up and run with it? Hmm. Oh my gosh. I I'm like you. I am frustrated. <laughs> I get frustrated. I stay frustrated, but I am committed to finding the things that I personally can do and do them to at least start this wagon rolling. Laura Ingram, I have a lot of respect for Laura. She's got a great show at night, but she gets the right kind of message to speak to her audience. And she's got a big audience at Fox News. She does. But sometimes I'm sure she feels like she's a lone voice in the wilderness. So as they desperately work to get Trump off the ballot, they're also working on another contingency plan. Is this plan B, C, or D? I've lost track. Making sure that he's in court long enough that he basically won't be able to campaign. Now, the judge in Trump's January 6th case just set a trial date, as I said earlier, of March 4th, 2024. Well, if that day sounds kind of familiar, it's because it's the same day the Georgia DA Fannie Willis wanted. So she got what she wanted. Now, why is that day so critical? It seems like it's in high demand. Is there anything else happening around the same time? Uh, let me think. Oh, yeah, Super Tuesday is the next day. But that judge uh, apparently thinks that doesn't matter. Uh, Trump just to, needs to have to make it work. When you have a court date, when you're in the justice system, 
that takes precedence over other things. Your dry cleaning pickup that day, your professional networking commitments, your job. She's saying when you're in the justice system, that comes first. Right, picking up your dry cleaning, just same as a presidential election. Joining us now, Victor Davis Hanson, Hoover Institution Senior Fellow. Victor, um, by any means necessary, they want him out. They wanted to not allow him to win in 2016, but before he even wins the nomination, which, you know, if you know, we don't, anything can happen, I guess, but right now you'd say odds are uh, huge that he'll win it. Then they want to make sure that he can't campaign, and then they want to make sure that even if he wins, he still won't be president. Do you see a pattern here of what's happening with this, this crowd? Yeah, I think the subtext is what they're not talking about. And so they feel they have no other choice for three reasons. One, they can't run on Joe Biden's agenda, not on the border, not on crime, not on the economy, not on energy, not on anything. And two, Joe Biden is one trip away from oblivion. He's one silly remark away from oblivion. He's failing geometrically at a geometric way. And whether he even finishes his term, they're unsure. And then third, to use that left's phrase, that walls are closing in. It's not just uh, Archer and Bobolinsky or the IRS whistleblowers. It's Victor Shokin. It's uh, some oligarchs that say they have tapes. There's the Hunter laptop that's being reexamined for where he admits he gave half his income to Joe. And so they don't want to talk about any of those three things. So it's Trump all the time. And when you look at Latita James has a $250 million lawsuit against Trump on this sort of bogus idea of overinflating real estate. And then you look at Alvin Bragg, and then you look at Jack Smith and Fannie Willis, and you look at all the dates that they're talking about, and you superimpose them on a calendar. And you could envision these 91 indictments plus the civil suits, and there's another civil suit as well. It might be almost three or four days a week all the way to election. And it really shows you that they're paranoid. And they don't have any confidence in a positive message or a positive, vibrant candidate. And so it's to get Donald Trump, fixate on Donald Trump or whoever would get the nomination. Now, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I don't think they even have any pretense anymore, Laura, of saying Joe had a very campaign. successful. Yeah, there's uh, no campaign. They're no, not they going to campaign. No, not going to campaign. He's not no. going to campaign. He's not going to debate. He's not going to really ever do a hard interview with anyone. He can't. We all know that. The press is going to campaign for him, and it's going to be Trump trial 24-7. Uh, Victor, my question to you is, will this just, over time, will it wear on the Republican electorate or harden their support for Trump as the persecuted yeah. representative of the people? That, that I don't think anybody knows because we've never been in these waters before. But right now, it's obviously gaining them empathy because of the sheer injustice of it. But we don't know what it will be like if for the wearied electorate in three or four months or if I get another candidate might say, I'm, I'm going to be more effective in paying these people back or reforming the DOJ on behalf of Trump than Trump can. Because we don't know the what these limitations are. He's like a He's like Gulliver with all these little pusions that have got these strings, ropes tying him down. We don't know the effect on the voter who wants to help him but may not be able to. And so, and we don't know how far, whether we get tired of it or whether we get angry with it. Right now, it's pretty clear people are angry and they're showing empathy. But 
I don't know what they're going to be doing in September, October, November. We yeah. can go on and on and on. Well, they're banking. On, they're and banking. I don't that think the Democrats themselves have any yeah. idea what they're doing as far as public opinion. They don't really yeah. care. They're just obsessed and fixated on Donald Trump. Yeah, and they do not the want to talk about this failed presidency, no. this failing, cognitively failing president. Ukraine. And pretty Ukraine's much failing. one of the most corrupt <laughs> political families in presidential history. They can't yeah. talk about any of those three things. Now, Victor, there's another interesting thing that we mentioned this uh, maybe two or three weeks ago about Judge Tanya Chutkin, but it bears repeating that she worked at the law firm Boy Schiller Flexner from 2002 until she was confirmed to the bench in 2014. Now, Boy Schiller has strong connections to the Democrats, to Hunter Biden. He was um, he was of counsel at the firm from 2009 to 2014. Um, this is all just a coincidence, I'm sure. Yeah, why of these four prosecutors, why aren't any of them rhinos or independents or Republicans? Why isn't there somebody in Utah or West Virginia? There, it's not. Fannie Willis probably wants to be governor. She's a hard leftist. She's, taught, she's been you bragging bet. about uh, going after Trump. Ditto the same thing with Bragg. Letita James, ditto. Jack Smith has members of his family that have involvement with the Obamas. So they all are conflicted, but they don't make any pretense. They don't care. It's almost as if they're saying to the American people, this is the way it is. Yes, we're biased, but it's Trump. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah, it's your almost vote doesn't a dare matter. to people. And I've never seen yeah. any, anything so audacious. It's, it's beyond yeah. parody. I think that they, they want people to think it, it, it's pointless to fight back, to vote, to anything, to, to object or to say you're not going to comply. It's just it's, it's pointless. And they want to demoralize people. And I think Americans have to just decide for themselves, do they want our country or not? Victor, thank you. Those two people are very educated and they understand the system. And you could hear their frustration, the same as mine this morning. And listen, it doesn't do us any good to beat somebody up verbally. And I don't want to come off like that's what we do here. But there comes a point where we just have got to begin taking action of some kind so that we can get off high center and really act like and look like we're literally committed to getting something done. Whatever it is, it could be Joe Biden holding him accountable for the things we know he did wrong. It could be Hunter Biden it could be any group of people, but we must hold people accountable for anything and everything they do wrong. Everybody gets credit when they make a good decision, a good choice, and it brings benefits to other people. The opposite's got to be held. Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President Sorry. of the United States. Let me just get this. Hello. Hey. I was just thinking about you. Yes, I was. Uh-huh. Yes, I was. No, you were. That I will faithfully execute the office of President. <laughs> so, uh... 
What are you wearing? A president uh, of the United uh, States. <laughs> oh. Say, can I call you back? So help me God. No, so you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you. You hang up. So help me God. You hang up. It's President's Day, and everybody's getting in on the special offer from Verizon Wireless. For just $25 per month, get 1,500 anytime minutes, plus free long distance. Verizon Wireless. Join in. Speaking the truth, the mainstream press will not. Dan Newman. TNN. The Truth News Network. Let me ask you a question. Was that Verizon commercial you just heard a little bizarre? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I don't know who came up with that creative, but uh, that's pretty funny right there. Somebody getting sworn in as president of the United States and takes a phone call and it's from a squeeze. <laughs> Uh, who could that possibly have been referencing? I don't know. Well, hey, you know, the big, big, big department stores that have been around the nation for generations, literally, uh, we could all name different ones, uh, different parts of the country, but many of these big old department stores are finding themselves in bad spots. Now, there's one in particular right now, Nordstrom's. One of the, I guess, the most exclusive store brands on the planet. They used a lot of cryptic gobbledygook to explain their decision. They are leaving San Francisco, Nordstrom's is, after 35 years. We all know why. Due to left-wing policies that involve crime and the homeless, the once-storied city by the bay is in a death spiral. And this is another nail in the San Francisco coffin. When Nordstrom's announced in May it was closing, a spokesman said the dynamics of the downtown San Fran market have changed dramatically over the past couple of years. That impacts customer foot traffic to our stores and our ability to operate successfully. And I'm giggling about that. This is no simple storefront either. This Nordstrom's is, or can we say was, a 312,000-square-foot, five-story department store, an anchor store in the Westfield Shopping Mall, if you know anything about San Francisco. And now that Nordstrom's leaving, the people who run the mall are also walking away. They offered some cryptic gobbledygook of their own about the challenging operating conditions in downtown Frisco, which have led to declines in sales and occupancy and foot traffic. But guess what this is all about? It's a culmination of a really sad but inevitable tale when you vote for big city Democrats. Once a bustling retail center in the heart of the city, the San Francisco Center, has taken a significant hit in the past few years. Total sales have fallen from just under half a billion dollars in 2019 to 298 million in 2022. Foot traffic has plunged from 9.7 million visits in 2019 to 5.6 million in 2022. 
This is from the company Westfield. Their exit marks another significant setback for San Francisco, which saw its economy hit hard by the pandemic as many Silicon Valley companies allowed flexible work-from-home policies that resulted in many white-collar workers filtering out of downtown. Three years later, corporate America has yet to return in the same numbers. Office vacancies in San Francisco have reached a 30-year high. You lock down your city for no scientific reason. You refuse to punish criminals. You demoralize the police into inaction. You basically decriminalize shoplifting by making any theft under $1,000 just a misdemeanor. Uh, Let me look in my crystal ball to see how that turns out. (laughs) We know how it turns out. Nordstrom's is leaving. A bunch of others have already left, and more and more and more are headed for the exit. And it won't just be San Francisco. That's picking up across the nation. Big cities like Chicago, Philadelphia, Manhattan, Los Angeles. It's just not the same. Former President Donald Trump's pollster, and yeah, he's still involved in an election, His pollsters see the rivals Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy as the rising threats in the Republican primary, while believing that Florida Governor DeSantis has flatlined their term, pollsters' term. DeSantis has flatlined in the race after the debate last week. A confidential memo penned by GOP pollster Tony Fabrazio David Lee and Travis Tunis and sent out to Republican donors made the case that Trump still dominates both contests in Iowa and New Hampshire, but there's more of a battle for second place after Wednesday night's performances in Milwaukee. The memo, a copy of which was obtained by DailyMail.com, and I have a copy in my never-before-nicotine-stained hands, it argues that Haley's appears to have gotten a bump from her debate performance while Ramaswamy was seen as the clear debate winner. The much-hoped-for DeSantis bounce was really a dead cat bounce in that it doesn't even exist. That's what these three pollsters argued. Why? Because these voters didn't see a DeSantis debate win. In fact, far from it. With Haley's surge... DeSantis finds himself with another challenger for a distant second place besides Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley. The confidential memo was first reported by Axios. In Iowa, which holds the country's first caucuses, pollsters found that after the debate, which Trump skipped in case you forgot about that, the ex-president maintained the support of 44% of likely Republican caucus goers. DeSantis remained in second, 18% support. Haley received 10%. Ramaswamy was tied with Senator Tim Scott, each getting 7%. Up in New Hampshire, the state that will hold the first GOP primary, Trump received support from 48% of likely voters. The pollsters then argue that DeSantis, Haley, and Ramaswamy 
are polling at a statistical tie with the Florida governor at 11%, Haley and Ramaswamy both at 9 The margin of error for the survey was plus or minus 4.38%. Despite the continued wishful thinking of some, Trump remains firmly in control in both states, the pollsters wrote. His lead is unchanged, and commitment to voting for him is rock solid. In Iowa, 72% of Trump voters say they're committed to him, compared to 43% of DeSantis supporters saying they'll vote for the governor no matter what, and 17% of those currently backing Haley. In New Hampshire, 81% of Trump supporters said they're committed to the ex-president, compared to 28% of DeSantis supporters who say they're sticking with him, and just 9% of those who say they're backing Haley. In both spots, Iowa and New Hampshire, 80% of Republicans' polls said they had at least heard some about Wednesday night's debate. In both states, the 38-year-old Ramaswamy was the clear winner last Wednesday night. In Iowa, 28% of likely Republican voters held that view. In New Hampshire, the number was 34%. Haley barely beat out DeSantis for second in Iowa, 19 to 18%, and that's within the polls' margin of error. Now, you're saying, Dan, you don't normally spend much time talking about polls. I don't, but as a a, a process over time, as a uh, as not just one, but a trend, we look at them to kind of get a consensus of where the people in America are thinking about candidates, especially in a presidential race, especially as one that is as screwed up as this one. Now, Donald Trump, last night, he kind of opened up about something, and uh, it's about Ramaswamy. Now, Vivek was asked if he would ever consider being a vice presidential candidate, and the question wasn't poised this way, but I believe that's what it was about. Would he be interested if Trump reached out to him to run side-by-side with Trump as the VP candidate next year? Trump on Tuesday praised Ramaswamy when asked if he would consider the 38-year-old biotech engineer as a running mate. I think he's great. Trump was speaking to Glenn Beck. Look, Anybody that said I'm the best president in a generation, and he said it a couple of times, I have to like a guy like that. That sounds like Trump, doesn't it? During the interview, Trump openly discussed his thoughts on the candidacy of Ramaswamy, indicating his receptiveness to a youthful and a comparatively unestablished candidate who could bring fresh perspective to D.C. Trump considered the frontrunner for the GOP nomination. He described... Vivek is smart, young, and got a lot of talent. When asked about the possibility of a VP spot, Trump responded affirmatively, saying he's a very, very, very intelligent person. He's got good energy, and he could be some form of something. I tell you, I think he'd be very good. I think he's very good now. I think he's really distinguishing himself. So the timing of these remarks is noteworthy because they come shortly after the first debate, where Trump opted not to participate, but he pledged to watch for potential 
vice presidential contenders. We're a long way from getting to the end of this, folks. You and I both know that. Gosh, it seems like just yesterday we were looking at two years down the road, and now we're looking at less than 18 months. So the former president's interest in Vivek Ramaswamy adds a layer of intrigue to this unfolding political landscape we've been talking about today, especially given the fact that Vivek's rapid rise from an unknown long-shot candidate with a mere 1% polling support to becoming a serious contender who has been attracting attention from very prominent Republican figures. While Trump has signaled his appreciation for Ramaswamy's potential as a running mate, he also voiced some caution regarding the entrepreneur's tendency to court controversy. I can't believe Trump would ever question anybody because they're too controversial. Maybe he wants to be the only controversial person in the room. He's starting to get out there a little bit, Trump said. He's getting a little bit controversial. I got to tell him to be a little bit careful. Some things you have to hold in just a little bit, right? But he's got a lot of really good energy. So despite Trump's praise, Vivek has previously told News Nation he would not accept being the former president's vice president. I don't do well in a number two, so I'd be about as likely to accept it as he would be to accept my offer to be my vice president. It's a no. So other GOP contenders have criticized Ramaswamy, including Vice President Mike Pence, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Nikki Haley sparred with Vivek during the GOP primary debate, challenging his foreign policy experience. Former Vice President Pence has criticized Ramaswamy's age and foreign policy stances. I think there's a great deal of alignment between my former running mate and Vivek, and so for my part, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised that he's been complimentary of him that way, Pence said yesterday. Meanwhile, Chris Christie has described Ramaswamy as the, and I'm going to quote here, (laughs) Christie, he just, you never know, you never doubt what he thinks about somebody, do you? Here's what he said. Ramaswamy is the worst of what politicians are characterized to be. He took aim at Ramaswamy for saying one thing but doing another. And then when you called him, like I did, on the negative things he said about Donald Trump on January 6th in his book, he didn't say it, Mr. Christie told CBS's Face the Nation. If you believe Donald Trump was the greatest president of the 21st century, which is what Vivek said on the stage, What the hell are you doing running against him, he added. The fact is that Vivek says one thing and does another. Chris, maybe many people out there forgot the fact that for years you were so up Donald Trump's booty that if and when he broke wind, you would turn around and say, excuse me, I mean... Chris Christie had nothing negative to say about Donald Trump until 
Trump got elected president and Christie thought he was going to get a piece of some kind of job in the Trump administration and nothing came his way. Hmm. Kind of like Mitt Romney, remember that? Mitt Romney courted Donald Trump during the election and then Mitt Romney went to meet at Bedminster multiple times outside of New Jersey where Trump was staying getting ready to head to Washington, D.C., getting his uh, administration lined up, Mitt Romney basically begged for the Secretary of State job. Trump wasn't interested in him, just like he wasn't interested in Chris Christie. You know why? Trump's a manager. Trump understands business, and he knew that four years as president, especially because the shape our government was in under eight years of Biden and Biden, Biden and Biden, Biden and Obama, I guess I should say Obama and Biden to get it right, that it would need to be aggressively managed. Trump had that expertise, and he showed it to us, and he proved he could do it. But anyway, Trump is a really good judge of character in most cases. Now, He did get talked into making some appointments of some people that found out, he found out later on, were not really good people. They weren't the people they were represented to be or represented themselves to be. And that's just part of life. One good thing about him, he was quick to pull the trigger on those that were not good at working with him to make the nation good. Just know this. We have a whole lot of time, a whole lot of days where a lot of things happen, a lot of conversations happen. There's negotiating going on behind the scenes at the government level like none of us can even imagine. I think we don't want to know. Some things you just don't want to know about. You only want to hear about them after they're done, right? I think I'm in that spot right now. I don't want to get any more bad news about our government. We've had quite enough in my opinion. With Ford Pass, rewards are just a tap away. Whether it's using rewards points toward things like complimentary maintenance or for vehicle accessories. And with Ford Pass, a tap roadside assistance and lock your vehicle. Only Ford Pass puts all this in the palm of your hand. Ford Pass, built to keep you moving. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee fi fo fum. I smell the. I, I smell uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. 
Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. This has been one of those days where we've had a lot of things, important things to talk about, and we just wrap it right on through it, going as fast as we realistically can to make sure we don't leave something out. And here we are. We're in our last 12 minutes on the show today, and we're just getting cranking. Several things I want to mention and get to, but I want you to hear something that I thought was a little bit unusual. Megan Kelly Megyn Kelly, you know her formerly of Fox News. She then went to NBC to do a daytime show that flopped. She had a massive contract that they had her under contract. She couldn't do anything for several years. And now she started her own podcast. It's on uh, Spotify. Uh, it's on Sirius XM. She's got great coverage. She's a, an attorney, very knowledgeable and very conservative. She had some interesting things to say here about Donald Trump. Trump plays by mafia rules. If, if you're in the game, then you're in the game. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump does not insult Democrat voters. Donald Trump does not insult the American people. And yet the Democrats insult Trump voters, you know, every time they open their mouths. And, and everybody yep. knows that. And that's why Trump's line about I'm the one in between them and you uh, resonates uh, so much with voters. No, I, I don't I don't think Donald Trump hates the American people who who disagrees with them. Um mm-hmm. and, and that's a very good thing. And and yeah, that get that gets lost in his in his rough and tumble persona. But boy, that that's that's an awfully huge difference that I think Americans feel because they don't like being insulted by politicians. Americans feel that about Trump. And I think the left don't see that. They don't recognize it, or if they do see it, they don't want to admit it's there. Oh my gosh, they can't bear to imagine that a single American would look at Donald Trump and think that he has one ounce of respect for them. And you know why that is. He has no, not one ounce of respect for those on the left who are out there beating up on everyday Americans. What resonates more with the American people than anything about Donald Trump is they identify with him. He's not the perfect guy. He's not, and I don't want to denigrate Vivek Ramaswamy or Ron DeSantis. These are the epitome of looking at successful Republican candidates. Both of them. Both of them, great past, very successful at what they do. And they just look the part. You know what I mean? Clean cut, um, both good looking attractive, very, very good at speaking. That's the picture of a good politician that you see. Trump doesn't fill any of those things. He's just a guy, a regular old guy that understands people and how people function 
and what people like and what they don't like, how they like to be treated, and how they like for other people to be treated. That's an important thing. Democrats don't identify with that process, and therefore they don't do it. And they don't understand why anybody would like Donald Trump. They don't understand that people don't like other people that are constantly talking down about others and talking down to you when they speak to you if they know that you disagree with them. That was a really good point that 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 guy on uh, Megyn Kelly on her show yesterday brought out, and I wanted you to hear that. Got a couple of strange things. NASCAR, NASCAR, Redneck America, you know that. NASCAR has come under fire for an internship program that they implemented that excludes white people from even applying for it. It's part of their diversity internship program. It directly lists specific racial requirements for the applicants eligible to join that program. Now, this is coming right from their website. What's this all about? Under requirements, the website tells applicants they must be a U.S. citizen or be eligible to work in the U.S. and must have at least reached their sophomore year in college. But those requirements are secondary as the list also lays out racial requirements as its first bullet point. Applicants must be quote, a member of one or more of the following racist ethnic minority classifications, black or African-American, American Indian or Alaska Native, Asian, Latino, or Hispanic, Native Hawaiian, or other Pacific Islander, the webpage says. But despite their discriminatory diversity programs, NASCAR still claims to be an equal opportunity employer. Not listed is Caucasian or white or even European. The racial requirements seem to me to be blatantly illegal, a violation of Title VII and also the 1866 Civil Rights Act. That's according to David Bernstein, a professor at George Mason University's Scalia School of Law. Having a 100% quota for minorities for a position is illegal even under a very generous view of what is allowed. So I thought that was kind of strange. And I wanted you to hear about it. Another thing. You remember us talking about that huge chunk of land around that California U.S. air base was being snatched up in a rural area of California and we didn't know who was buying it up? Silicon Valley moguls invested nearly 900 million bucks buying up acres of farmland in Solano County, often far above the market price, under a firm named Flannery Associates with hopes of constructing a utopia-like city on that area. That's according to the New York Times. Now, the executives must beguile local entities as well as lawmakers and federal agencies who spent months or years seeking to identify the personalities behind Flannery and rule out prospects' nefarious intent into supporting this expansive project. 
In 2017, Jan Schramick, a former Goldman Sachs trader, pitched an idea, build a walkable California metropolis that could produce thousands of jobs and serve as a sort of petri dish for new designs, construction, and forms of governance. Citing three people familiar with the matter, big-name tech investors including LinkedIn co-founder Reid Hoffman, investors Mark Anderson and Chris Dixon, and billionaire venture capitalist Michael Moritz, among others. Until late August, Flannery's executives and business plan were unclear. Neither is why they opted to remain anonymous. We got the FBI and Treasury involved. This is according to Democrat California Rep. John Garamendi, who learned of Flannery's identity only after being contacted by the New York Times. Representatives had recently reached out to him to set up a meeting. Isn't it interesting? Maybe, just maybe, there's something good about to happen out there in California. Wouldn't it be nice to have a a magic, big, self-contained city out in the middle of nowhere that is really good, that people want to go to and be part of and are willing to pay the price? Hey, guys, that's a wrap on the day. Thank you for sharing midweek with us. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. sharp at TNN Live.